I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to a Cinematic Universe mini-sode. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and joining me to bridge the gap between our Avengers Infinity War and Deadpool 2 episodes is... James Hunt. Yeah, so we're slightly in mourning here because Seb turned to dust and blew away into the wind last week. Only, only slightly in mourning. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, it means we get a, we get a free reign, so... Um... And we have a lot more resources now, which I'm quite happy about. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Not the worst thing that could have happened, really. Like, we're only splitting the Patreon two ways now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so yeah, this is our first episode since Infinity War. Um, We should should probably mention, James, before we get into the news proper, um, it broke the record for the highest grossing opening weekend ever in North America and also the worldwide total um, for an opening weekend as well. And the worldwide number is especially interesting because that came with without Russia and China, yeah, which are so like two of the most enormous <laughs> the markets you can market. get internationally, yeah. Yeah, so basically, second Star Wars is what we're saying here, right? Well, it's interesting because I think uh, I was reading on Forbes that uh, who are pretty, you know, one of the best places to go for your, uh, your box office uh, analysis, um, that they really didn't think that... Star Wars The Force Awakens would be beaten for a long time. And I think Mm. inflation adjusted, I think Infinity War might be slightly behind. But what The Force Awakens was, was like this generational movie that had all of the hype in and of itself, Mm -hmm. um, but also kind of like promised to be the first true Star Wars sequel uh the first the the first movie that actually went back and revisited the story that people loved from Mm -hmm. 30 years ago whereas this is movie 19 in a franchise and obviously like it difficult to play infinity war as an underdog but um (laughs) well yeah it's interesting though isn't it because it's a triumph of marketing i think yeah i mean it feels it feels like star wars is going to be playing to diminishing returns for probably a long while now because it's just going to be a new star wars movie every year they already put all the old people in the first one, so it's not like they can do a big Star Wars team-up of where they put everyone together, right? Short of bringing back Darth Vader, I'm not sure there's anything they can do that would compete with Infinity War in terms of story. But yet, this is part one for Infinity War. Um, and we've got... A, I know it's not going to be called part two, and I know that they have tried to sell it as 
um, <laughs> as like, oh no, it's 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 not a two part story. That like, I know we originally called it that, but it's not. Um, it definitely is. They're going to be very different movies, oh, yeah. but it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's part two of the story. Yeah, um, I've seen a lot of comparisons to, to to TV. Basically, a lot of like, um, uh, what's the Star Trek Next Generation episode <laughs> where um, uh, the best Picard, of both worlds? Yeah, where Picard gets assimilated. I'm not gonna lie, that thought crossed my mind. Yeah, I I, I read that, and I've seen yeah a lot of a lot of comparisons to TV cliffhangers. Um, and I mean, this... the only movie cliffhanger that springs to mind is The Matrix Reloaded. And yeah. Look how well that works out for us. Yeah. That's the future part two. But even that, that kind of tells you where what's happened at I mean, the end. Of... <laughs> and then it gives you a tra- and it gives you a trailer for the next one. I was at the end say, of the that's movie. more of a glorified post credit scene, wasn't it? Like if if Back to the Future Part Two had come out today, that would have been a credit sequence. Yeah. Uh, apologies uh, uh, hopefully we haven't said anything spoilerific for avengers infinity war in here but you know it's the mini sode after that episode so we so we we're, we're probably gonna drop spoilery stuff as we go um and i'm definitely gonna do that now because we got um an email in we got an email from george baxter um who uh just wanted to in a, in a very polite way it has to be said and um a a really uh, eloquent way uh, take us to task on us saying that Infinity War didn't really have themes um, and I won't read his, his full email uh, but he was basically saying that he thought that um, Sacrifice was the the overriding theme of, yeah. um, of Infinity did, War. Did we say that? I'm, maybe it only occurred to me on second viewing but I've definitely had conversations about how you know the sacrifice of things you love in particular is a big mm. theme in the movie. I'm gonna, I'm just going to read his final paragraph because I think this sums it up well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Marcus and McFeely are attempting to prepare the audience for some real losses in the next film and want us to reflect on what is a good death and when we should and shouldn't sacrifice. In a universe that has been largely free of death and ultimate consequence, it makes sense to let these characters and the audience have a dry run. Are we willing to sacrifice our, our new Avengers to hold on to the old or vice versa? Mm. Um, which, you know, you, you can't argue with that. You really can you? I think that's, um, no, that a, is a, very true. A very, a very, very good point. Um, and yeah, I think, I think maybe when I said it doesn't have themes, that was silly. Um, cause it's hard to make a movie that doesn't have any kind of themes that it's going back and hitting. I think maybe what I'm saying is that for me, there's the, there isn't like, there isn't a deeper story or there isn't a deeper uh, after Thanos, obviously there isn't like a, a character who you, who you like cling on to what, what is the secret story that the, that the filmmakers are trying to get through here. Yeah. I mean, but that, the, but that is, that sacrificing is a, is a good counter argument. I think it's more of a motif, isn't it? Like it's something everyone touches on, but it's not what the movie's about in a, in a larger way. It's just a thread that like ties every character together. The idea, like the, Having seen it twice now, the the part of the story that I think is most sort of interesting on a thematic level is when Cap says to Vision, we don't trade lives. Mm, and that's exactly what we think they're going to have to do. Yeah. I mean, and I imagine the way it's going to play out is that Cap will be like, well, I don't trade other people's lives, but I will trade mine. And Bucky's. <laughs> I imagine Bucky would die of grief. <laughs> it's fine by me. <laughs> it's funny. Someone just someone I was at work and someone shouted from the other side of the office to me. 
Joe, what's this? That Spider-Man's dead. And I was, <laughs> I was like, it's not that. It, but I, I, was, I thought it was just Did several people run out of the rooms with their ears covered. I work. Uh, my workplace is not is not the kind of place that is that obsessed with uh, Marvel spoilers. Most people are like, uh, uh, uh. um, yeah. So no, no one was too concerned. Um, <laughs> but I just think it's funny that it's uh, this. This is a movie that is like everyone is talking about. It feels like an event, doesn't it? Yeah, even the people at my work who aren't particularly into Marvel, and I've got, like, of my main colleagues, I've got one who is a super Marvel nerd and one who is completely uninterested generally. Hmm. But even she is like, I kind of want to see what everyone's talking about. Yeah, and I was I was chatting to my friend about it, um, and he's he's kind of like, he's seen most of the Marvel movies. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get around seeing this, but I'm so busy at work. And I was like... I, I, we just kept, he kept asking me things and said, and I was like, mate, you're just gonna have to go see it. And he went, yeah, all right. And then just went out at like nine, 10 o'clock one night and caught, caught a late screening and then came back, messaged me at like one in the morning, like, right, okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, um, it is, it's a huge phenomenon and it's going to be very interesting. I, I think to begin with, how they market, um, part four. Um, when it comes to next year, because you you can't say this is the culmination of everything twice. But as we said, as we said last week, maybe they say this is the beginning of everything. Yeah, I I do wonder because, like, with most with most movies, you would imagine things that have a big opening tend to like, you know, it tends to go down from there. It's rare you get two movies in a series setting such a hot you know setting the high watermark yeah you could because you could feasibly see if if they hit the marketing right again you could see that record being broken 12 months from now yeah and like because i you know people are coming out of infinity war like not lots of people but some people are coming out going like oh well that was dumb and like those people aren't going to give four another chance probably but equally <laughs> people who didn't see you know People who went to see Infinity War, having been convinced by the marketing and liked it, might then make up for them. So I'll be very interested to see whether it's sort of more or less or equal, ultimately. Yeah. I, my, I, my gut says it might not be as big. It's it's going to be tough. Um, but I don't know I don't know where it where it sits in the schedule next year in terms of what it yeah. can make overall as well. Because the difficulty that this movie has is that Deadpool comes out a couple of weeks after, as does Han Solo. And ultimately those screens are going to go in, in a way that Black Panther was able to just monopolize the multiplex screen screens for eight, 10 weeks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Infin- <laughs> Infinity War isn't going to be able to do that, but yeah. and like we joke about Star Wars, but broadly it's the same audience. Yeah. Yeah, as as is Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah, exactly. And Infinity War and Star Wars, so... But still, um, yeah, I've just been fascinated by how... how how far-reaching the conversation for this movie has gone and and, and how broadly positive the reaction has been. I I think there are some people that this franchise is never going to win round. Um, But, uh, yeah, I I think it's... uh, I, I think, as we discussed, I think the movie has its flaws, but there's no denying that as as a piece of event cinema, and that's kind of what a crossover should be, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It should it should be a big event. Yep. Um, 
and for me it did what it needed to do and now let's see if uh let's see if we can pay it off in 12 months time indeed anyway we talked about it for three hours on our last podcast (laughs) (laughs) i i just want to quickly say that as as a piece of event cinema i will never stop being surprised that because like when i was a teenager in the 90s I was reading these comics and they were super obscure and no one had really heard of them. I had maybe one or two friends who were into them off the back, primarily off the back of the like cartoons Um, and Avengers in particular. No one gave a shit about the Avengers. Not just that. This this is a movie where, so can you imagine 10 years ago saying, right, this is movie Thanos is the villain uh, some of the key players in it are Doctor Strange, Gamora, Star Lord. <laughs> <Quite>. <laughs> you know, Just like the idea that people would be like, "Oh yeah," you know, people in my workplace who don't read comics would be like, "Oh yeah, that's Thanos." The big showdown is going to be about protecting Vision. <laughs> it's it's te- <laughs> it, ha- it takes place in Wakanda. Like complete strangers coming up to me in in the cinema and being like, "Can you can you tell me who Adam Warlock is? What's Captain Marvel?" <laughs> It's uh yeah. The nerds have taken over. <laughs> this is your world now, James. We yeah. simply live in it. <laughs> if this was my world, we would be talking having this conversation about X-Men movies. Well, yes. Uh but we're not, and for our first piece of news this week, we're gonna talk about an MCU movie. <laughs> <laughs> I just gave you the perfect segue into Deadpool 2, but carry on. Uh there's nothing to talk about with Deadpool 2. It's coming yeah, out and if it's coming out and if it's coming out in a few weeks. It's doing all of its marketing. It's doing what we're expecting it to do. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be great, uh, and that will be our next episode on the show. But Ant Man and the Wasp. So, James, can we talk our listeners through the process? We were going to talk. About, <laughs> we were going to talk about the Ant Man and the Wasp uh, trailer now, and you said to me, "You were like, well, what's it, like? Can you remind me what's different about this from the first trailer?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, there's a bit more of Ghost. There's a, like it's funnier. There's more of the like the and and you were like." And you you just boot it, and maybe I should rewatch it because. And then you were like, "Oh, hang on." <laughs> yeah. You'd, what happened was I got you'd watch the first one again. <laughs> who had re-uploaded the first trailer and labelled it trailer two, <laughs> in order to get my hard-earned eyeballs. And you'd so you'd watched it and then gone like, I don't really understand why the internet's getting that excited about this. Like, yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, turns out, it turns out you watched it. Was actually quite good. And um, it was quite fun listening to you watch it over Skype. <laughs> <laughs> I could just hear these out-of-context chuckles, um, which I think you said were mostly from the Luis section. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I think this trailer, again, fairly light on plot. I, th- I, th- I think what, what we know is that they will be on the run, that... Uh, Ghost, who's the villain, has got the te- has stolen the tech from Hank Pym and has also visited the quantum realm, and that some of this movie will be taking place in the quantum realm. But all we've really seen are like very b- brief flashes of that in the in the trailer. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. What well, what is it about this trailer that works for you then? Ooh, that works for me. I mean. Just sort of the general tone of it seemed a lot more like action comedy. Like I get yeah. that the previous film was like their, you know, heist movie. I think maybe this is going to be a bit more sort of towards the character's strengths. 
I just, I love the energy of this trailer. It, it feels like, like, so obviously I think the shot that everyone has, has picked out is the full, the life-sized ant. Sorry, the human, <laughs> the human-sized ant playing the drums. But it feels like the entire trailer is like, playing out to an ant playing the drums if you know what i mean like it's just it's just got that kineticism and paul rudd i I said the one thing that i that i took out of the rewatch of ant-man the first ant-man on my uh, marathon was paul rudd doesn't get to be funny until like halfway through Mm -hmm. Uh, he's carrying this nondescript baggage for the first half of the movie and really really a lot of the characters don't come into their own until about halfway through it's only really Luis who arrives fully formed um (laughs) very true and it's, it's notable in this trailer, isn't it, that Hope is completely different from the sort of sour-faced, disapproving madam she was in the first movie. Well, in parts of the first movie, because once once you get to the point where they have their, where Hank and Hope have their big heart-to-heart, mm-hmm. and it, again, that's one of the first times where Paul Rudd gets to be funny, where they cut and he's watching them from the doorway and going, this is, ah, oh, what a moment, this is so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and after the, after that, she gets to stop being disapproving. Like, why is this guy getting this? She just she just joins joins in and goes along for the ride. It's mm-hmm. just disappointing that she doesn't actually get to do any of the superheroics. And I mean, lucky lucky at this trailer, she she seems awesome. Like, I, I'm I'm in the bag for Evangeline Lilly. I have been since Lost, and um, yeah, I I think she's great, and I think she has that. I think she has that hard edge that that you don't need to play up, as you said, that kind of like sour, disapproving thing. I think she has that edge where she can have the fun, but still, but still feel a little bit frosty. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't, I don't think you need to play it up. And there's a couple of moments because uh, I've rewatched both of these trailers. It's a couple of moments where you just see her like raise an eyebrow or give a little kind of grin, where you can tell it's kind of like she's she's getting to. She's getting to play at both sides of things this time. It does um, sort of. It, she reminds me of Jennifer Aniston in that she. It seems like she's going to be doomed playing love interests when her abilities far outstrip that. Yeah, but but she here she is as the villain. Uh, sorry, as the hero in the title of a Marvel film. Yeah, I mean, I I really hope they are not overselling that. Well. I am willing to trust in Peyton Reed, who is a guy who directed Bring It On and Down With Love as two of his first movies. I'm I'm less keen on The Breakup and Yes Man, but admittedly I haven't seen either of those as as recently. Uh, But Bring It On and Down With Love are like both really progressive, intelligent movies that... The first Ant-Man movie has its problems with female characters, and having seen those movies, I just don't buy that that problem emanated from Peyton Reed. I think that that problem probably emanated from a director who always has trouble with his female characters. Yeah, and I happened, completely agree with that. Happened to depart Ant-Man slightly before. Um, <laughs> whereas this movie, like, it's got a female villain, and no one's like, sh- it's it's not a big deal. Like no one's, no one's like banging the drum. Like, oh look, we got a female villain in Ant Man and the Wasp. Mm-hmm. Evang- Evangeline Lilly is above the title and in the title. Um, you've got Michelle Pfeiffer turning up in this one, um, and you know I don't think you cast Michelle Pfeiffer to do nothing. It feels like they are they are course correcting because they they know that they cop some flack for what they did wrong 
by its female characters in the first movie. Haven't seen any Judy Greer, though. But we haven't seen any Bobby Cannavale either, so maybe they're just not much of a part of this movie. True. I'm very excited to see the ghost, by the way. She looks cool, right? That the So you, you've got all of the cool Ant-Man and the Wasp stuff where they are getting bigger and smaller and, and smashing through things, uh, but then you see the ghost doing all the same stuff, but just phasing through things. Mm-hmm. And... Hannah John Kamen, I've seen her in it. I've seen her in a. She was in Ready Player One recently, and I. She hasn't really left much of an impact in the stuff that I've seen her in, but I think she has a great look. Like she has these eyes that are pretty, pretty distinctive, and um, I like I like the look of this. And I just like that. I like that one brief shot of her where you know where you can see her face in this trailer, and she's kind of like looking confused as to what's happening. It just suggests that they're at least thinking about what is the psyche of this villain. Because mm-hmm. again, I think one of the one of the weak points of the first movie is that well, they kind of they kind of uh bottle it slightly. They introduce Corey Stoll's character Corey Stoll's character as just like he's a nutter. He's an evil nutter. He's <laughs> yeah. just a pow- he's just a power mad nut. And then and they also, kind of, also they, 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 they ADR a couple of lines in where it's like, Oh, um, it's the, it's the technology, Aaron. It's driving you crazy. It's the particles. Yeah. Sure it is. No, just make him an evil fuck. That's fine. Um, if you go, if that's the way you're going to go, but also have Marvel fixed their villain problem. I've been thinking this for the last couple of films because well, Black Panther and Infinity War. Yeah. Yes. Like Black Panther and Infinity War, flat out excellent villains. Civil War. Pretty excellent villain, like not especially cinematic villain. No, but so it works. Complex in an interesting way. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't think Hella quite works for me as well as she did for <clears throat> other people. But... I think, I think Hella is probably at least a sort of higher tier villain she's kind of there's not a huge amount of distance between her and say ironmonger but no yeah that said she's still you know the performance was good and the the motivations were there yeah yeah um so yeah maybe they've solved their villain problem <clears throat> and i think just the other things to pick out from this trailer um aside from just like it looking like a romp it looking like the kind of summer action movie i want to go and spend two hours just having a blast with which um you know marvel have done very well with in the past mm-hmm. um there is obviously Lawrence fishburne in here uh who we hadn't seen uh, we i think we saw like a, a one shot of him in the first trailer uh he gets to, he gets to banter a bit with paul rudd in the final scene it's a dumb joke but it's a funny joke uh, about their kind of size measurements, <laughs> uh, which is really fun. Um, and, uh, oh God, what was the other thing? I can't even remember. <laughs> there was something else in the trailer. I thought, oh, that looks cool. Oh, I was just thinking it'll be nice to see uh, Peyton Reed actually getting to play around with Giant Man. Uh, yes. Paul Rudd brings brings back his maniacal laugh <laughs> <laughs> for the scene at the end as well. The, um, thing, the thing I like about that is that one of the like I guess Iron Man does this a lot, but a lot of the Marvel stuff doesn't ever get into why being a superhero is fun, and that, that's something I think Ant Man at least has recaptured. 
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah. you know, um, it's supposed to be something you want to do. Yeah, and Spider-Man, I guess, as well. Spider-Man to a point, yeah. If Spider-Man has the opposite problem, which is that it doesn't w- ever remind you why he wouldn't do this full time. Yes, that is my problem with that movie. Yeah. Um, but I also have a problem with Ant-Man and the Wasp. It is the elephant in the room. Ant-Man and the Wasp is released on uh, July 4th weekend in uh, the States. So, and kind of rolls around it, rolls, uh, rolls out in most territories around the world between the 4th and the 6th. It's in a couple of countries the week, uh, in the weeks after that. It doesn't arrive in the UK till the 3rd of August. Yeah, and whose fault is this? Well, so a combination of factors. I think the main one is that it is the World Cup this summer. Yeah, the World when... Cup of association football. Mm. Unfortunately, though, James, in 2018, the crossover between a Marvel movie and football fans, they are just both mainstream events. So, yes, there there is going to be a lot of crossover. I mean, they could quite easily push back the World Cup instead. <sighs> The the thing is, well, that would be all cancel it. Given this, uh, uh, side point, I'd, I'd I watch. I side point. I love the World Cup. I have uh, like I have my love for football has kind of diminished over the past decade to the point where I don't really watch much of it anymore. But the but the thing that I always get excited for is the World Cup. I am not going to be watching this summer's World Cup because of where it has been taken place, because of the politics of FIFA, and because the next World Cup is taking place in Qatar, and people are literally dying to build those stadiums, and no, no one seems to care about those human rights abuses to make this football tournament happen. So I'm not, I'm not watching the Russia World Cup. So what I would like is really good movies and cinemas instead. And is, <laughs> and for the first time in God knows how long, because this used to happen in the UK all the time, mm-hmm. that we would have to wait not just a month sometimes, like six, eight months for a movie to get over to the UK. Um, because that's just the way they decided to phase the international release. Um and for the first time in ages, we're now going to have to wait for Ant-Man and the Wasp, which apologies to our international listeners um, who will be wanting our, our Ant-Man and the Wasp episode July 4th weekend. We're not going to have it until a month after. Um, there are a couple of other factors. Obviously, when the World Cup happens, you then sque- you basically squeeze all the releases into different weeks. Um, there is also... Uh, the Incredibles 2, which I imagine there'll be a bit of crossover. And one of the big factors, I think, as well, is that uh, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, is coming out in the UK this summer. And that is expected to be a behemoth, because the first movie, I think, is still maybe like the second highest grossing movie in UK box office history. Um, wow. And is prob- and is going to be taking up a lot of screens. So I think there's probably been a lot of things that Marvel have had to dance around. And... Um, <clears throat> Yeah, it sucks a little bit, but I mean, at least at least it happened with this and not Infinity War. And I'm not saying that because I wanted to see Infinity War vastly more than this. I expect there will be less major spoilers that we're going to receive in that intervening month than we, <laughs> than we would have done. I mean, we'll probably find out which one of them disappears. Um, also, I'm trending towards, you know, I, I think the Wasp is going to disappear at the end of this yeah, movie. Yeah, I think and if then- either of them is, it's probably going to be here. Because I also think that uh, Ant Man could be at risk in in uh, Avengers Four. Uh, maybe no, no, I don't think so. And then your third film in the trilogy is a Wasp movie. Nah, Ant Man, Ant Man and the Wasp, the Wasp. 
Boom. <laughs> trilogy. Nailed it. Um, let's move on to a movie that's definitely not making it to a full trilogy. Um, this 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 trailer came out before Infinity War, but we didn't have the time to talk about it properly on the podcast. Venom got its first official trailer, or its first full trailer, James, and we got our first look at Venom. Yeah, we now, did. I'm... I'm not going to sit here and bitch and whine about what Venom looks like because... Can I? Well, how do you do that character and it not look... I don't don't know. Like, I I think at least it looks suitably horrific. I don't don't feel like they've interpreted any further than Spider-Man 3 did. And Spider-Man 3 proved that it didn't get it right. Like, I this looks more. You... This looks more. Okay, shall I tell, shall I tell you what? Alive, I guess. What they should have done with Venom is gone full CGI, like Incredible Hulk size, because doing a human-sized Venom with that mouth and those eyes just doesn't work. Well, he's not quite human-sized, is he? Because he kind of like grows over the top of. So yeah. it'd be like it, it, his head is like one and a half size times the size of a human head. Yeah, but I've seen cosplayers come up with a better look for venom than that i i i didn't walk away from this trailer going that that's the bit that doesn't have me interested because it's a venom movie <laughs> oh no no i completely agree like that's not the bad part of the trailer it just looks dull boring. yeah and uh, here's what it looks like it looks like a netflix marvel show yes as i think i said this on twitter actually but my problem with this movie is that the character of venom like, virtually everything that's interesting and good about Venom comes from him being either in opposition to Spider-Man or as a sort of juxtaposition against him. What if Venom is Spider-Man in the MCU when Spider-Man doesn't exist? <laughs> well, this is the thing. Like, for, if you... for one summer, you have Tom Hardy <laughs> as Venom. If you if you cut out all that stuff from the character, what you have is uh, sort of down-on-his-luck, woe-is-me journalist gets an alien suit that gives him superpowers and it's like what where's the thematic resonance for that character it's Seb just was, the like stupid disparate elements Seb was annoyed by uh symbiote symbiote that was i mean there's there's an established precedent of saying symbiote for 20 25 years <laughs> you can't uh, just change it now it's it it seemed <laughs> Seemed like an odd performance from Jenny Slate. But I, I mean, I look at this cast and I go, Tom Hardy. And I, I did actually think there's, there is always something interesting about a Tom Hardy performance. Even when it doesn't work, <laughs> it's interesting. It's usually and, the voice, right? Well, yeah. And I re- I did kind of like the scene of him or the, the part of him, uh, part of the trailer where he's in the apartment and he punches the guy out of the wall and he goes, now why would we do that? And... <laughs> I liked I liked how he kept referring to himself as we, and I can imagine Tom Hardy kind of signing onto this movie as like, oh, I get to essentially do my Jekyll and Hyde, um, but on a, on a big budget superhero movie. Yeah, that was that's actually one of the things I used to like about Venom that they kind of dropped for a while. That looks he would he would always say we as in yeah, we are we are Venom. Yes, and I and I really I did like that in this trailer, um, and yeah, and I like I look at the cast: Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams, Jenny Slate, Woody Harrelson, Riz Ahmed, uh, Reed Scott. Like th- those are all people who I like. Um, I'm less convinced about Ruben Fleischer as a director. Uh, not that he hasn't made good films, but I, or a good film, but um, 
I'm not sure that he was the he was the impetus be, be, behind Zombieland being good. Um, uh, but yeah, so like, the, the, I sh- I shouldn't feel as Luke, well, not Luke, not even lukewarm. I shouldn't feel as like negative towards this trailer as I do. But I just don't know what I'm. I don't know what I'm grasping onto in this. Tra- I, I, don't, I don't know what I don't know what the hook is that should be getting me excited about this movie, other than oh hey, it's a super, it's a character from comic books and they're popular right now, mm-hmm. right? Well, yeah, it it kind of looks like a film that should have been made fifteen, twenty years ago. In the- or a film that doesn't need to be Venom. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, there's nothing about this film or as Venom as a character that that gives you a sort of easy in. Like, what's what's the story of Eddie Brock? Like, what, he's a guy who finds an alien and they become a superhero? Yeah, it, it seems like, yeah, he's a, he's a journalist who uncovers something and then, yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know, it doesn't... Like, that's not to say the film won't have an answer to that question, but certainly yeah, based on abs- the trailers... Yeah. There's there's no there's no there's no hook in the trailer so far that makes me go that is why I should want to go and see Venom yeah ah hey ho uh, back to the MCU now um and a movie that we are fairly certain is going to be coming early on in Marvel's Phase Three is Black Widow it's I don't know if you agree James like what we've heard around this movie has very much moved on from. Marvel are developing a Black Widow movie to a Black Widow movie is coming very early on in phase three. <laughs> well, I don't know. What, like, what's the latest we've heard on it? Because So, Justin Kroll, uh, who's uh, uh, one of the in- big industry reports, I think he's a variety, uh, uh, tweeted out, fun fact, more than 65 directors have met for the Black Widow job. Marvel wow. are being extremely thorough on this one. Uh, there was a report that uh, Denise Gamze Ergiven, I'm going to mess up a bunch of these names, I apologise, uh, director of Mustang, Chloe Zhao, director of The Rider, Ama Asante, director of Bell, um, who is a very int- a director whose work I'm a fan of, so that, that piqued my interest. <clears throat> Uh, th- they had all met, and then Justin Kroll also said that um, Maggie Betts, who directed uh, Novite, and Angela Robinson, who James, you'll be interested to hear, directed yes. Professor Marston and the Wonder Women, <laughs> um, they've all met for this movie, and they've met with 65 different directors. Um, so, it, yeah, it sounds like this is happening soon. But what I what I will be very interested to find out is I don't think that Black Widow is necessarily safe in Avengers Four, even if she gets her own movie, because the, I think the one thing we all think about Black Widow is like you want to see the story just before, don't you? Yeah, like you want to see you want to see Budapest that we still haven't seen. So we've we've been. To, I I don't think I want to see her back in the like the Black Widow program. Well, but okay. I, so the I think the gaps in the pro in the in the character here are. She was raised a Russian assassin. I think the story the story is when she transitioned to yeah, the good side because yeah. there's you know there's a twenty year gap between coming out of the red room and joining Shield. Maybe not twenty, but fifteen years. Yeah, yeah. she's not that old. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that that, and I think unless you know Infinity War sets her up to be in a in a really unique position where suddenly she is 
I just don't know. I don't know what her solo story would be, and because of like her power set and her like her espionage skills, I'm not sure what where you'd want to set her up at the end of Avengers Four. To... Yeah, it does sort of feel like if they're gonna if they're gonna do a Black Widow story at this point, it's one that certainly demands to have major backstory elements, if not be a prequel. And yeah, and imagine if she imagine if she has been killed off in 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 Avengers four, and then and then we do get as a swan song finally that solo movie. Well, yeah, because that I mean that could potentially lead to interesting things because it would be Marvel saying like, well, we don't have to do everything in the main narrative; like we can go do our prequels too. Just because a character is dead does not mean we can never see from them again. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I. I I, I I'm I would like to see Black Widow survive because I like Scully Hansen. <laughs> um and I like I like the character. But yeah, um in in terms of the solo movie, I think I think that's what I'd like to see the most. Um yep. yeah, so um I think we're gonna get that so we know that Spider Man Homecoming is one of the first movies in phase three. Uh I think we're probably gonna get uh, Guardians of the Galaxy volume three pretty early on in that. Um, and yeah, Black Widow might be one that's that's quite high up as well. And if there's any justice, Doctor Strange too. <laughs> Doctor Too Strange. <laughs> I'm not every ca- every character who died in um, who, or every character who was turned to dust. Surely they're the ones that they're the ones that are definitely getting sequels quite early on. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but Black Panther 2 though just as a tidbit um, it sounds like Marvel are going to wait for Ryan Coogler to make that movie mm-hmm. so if he if he needs to go away and make another film that's fine they'll wait for him they're not they're not going to bring someone else in and I think that is a very wise choice yeah I mean I'm, the thing is I'm always wary of Hollywood's like negotiating in that sense because as we've talked about before you get things where executives say say things that are designed to be like bargaining chips <clears throat> and saying we'll wait for Ryan Coogler might actually mean we'll wait for him to lower his price. I hope that's not what the case is. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm I'm fairly sure they will want him back. And the the main reason they haven't announced a sequel yet is because they're still writing contracts and figuring out like who who does what. Maybe so. Maybe so. Uh, let's move over to DC. There isn't a lot of DC news to talk about at the moment, and uh, <laughs> certainly staying well out the way of this. Certainly, certainly not on the big screen anyway. I think it's probably wise that DC are just <laughs> taking a back seat at the moment. I um, I saw even that uh, David Ayer had been um, had been quoted saying that Marvel are killing it right now. It's like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Dave, David Ayer has had a has had a. Um, change of tune since when he said fuck marvel uh, <laughs> yeah that's david ayer has been told he's not doing the the harley quinn movie is what that is <laughs> uh yeah but i think the one piece of, the one tc movie that we are all interested in is wonder woman 2 because wonder woman 1 was great mm-hmm. um and uh CinemaCon took place um i think the weekend before last and wonder woman presented there and the small detail um on that is that it will be taking place in the 1980s so we already knew that Kristen wig was on board to play cheetah um and it had been rumored for a while that it was going to be cold war era stuff and so i guess certainly if you if you set it early 80s 
Or maybe even, you know, Gal Gadot is going to be the one who uh, she tears down the wall. Who knows? (laughs) 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 But I'm... um, I'm interested by some Cold War era Wonder Womaning, and um, I can only imagine what Diana Prince, who now lives. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com not on Thermoscara, but on, you know, in mainland world, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Um, <laughs> uh, she is, uh, she she's going to be rocking some 80s fashion, which can only be a great thing. I would be very surprised if we don't get to see the white power suit in some of this. <laughs> Do you think Cheetah is just going to be like, um, it, she's going to just be like a... Um, an exercise instructor or something like that. <laughs> yeah, in the leopard print. Yeah, in in the leopard print, like doing like some some fitness aerobics in a mall or something. <laughs> I'm hoping it's Wonder Woman who brings Tetris to the West. Frankly, <laughs> uh, well, then she would be the truest of all heroes. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, so that's our DC tidbit. Um, <clears throat> Wonder Woman, still the one thing that is a constant in the DC universe that we know we can look forward to and is actually going to happen. Um, we'll move away now from Marvel and DC. Um, and this is a rumour, James, so let's let's not get too excited. Uh, but Jamie Foxx is rumoured to be in line to play Spawn. How would that work for you? Because I know nothing about Spawn... And I know a bit about Jamie Foxx, but I don't. I can't bring the two together. I mean, Jamie Foxx has been responsible for some very excellent performances and some also very terrible performances. What, uh, list them. <clears throat> I mean, I'm thinking mainly of Jamie Foxx in Baby Driver, great fun. Jamie Foxx in Amazing Spider-Man 2, absolutely horrendous. Who is it in Baby Driver that Jamie Foxx comes in? There's someone in the opening scene, isn't there? 
It's uh, John, it, John Yeah, John, John Bernthal. And John Bernthal leaves the movie, and then Jamie Foxx comes back in playing the exact same character, but a different guy now. <laughs> <laughs> That's good writing. It's a, bad, it's a bad movie, you guys. I don't understand. Yeah, no, I'm, why. I'm with you, but I enjoyed that performance. Yeah, he is good. Um, uh, he, he can be funny. Um, I'm just thinking of the. Well, didn't he start off in in Living Color? Am I or am I imagining that? Uh, he's obviously an Oscar winner. Um, what was uh, uh, what was the bad? Did you say sorry? Uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two. Which uh, is that his? Was that his fault? It's hard to say, isn't it? I've seen him he in the solo. I've seen doing... him in the soloist. That's a bad performance. He was doing no favors in Amazing Spider-Man Two. Regardless of whether he was being told to do that performance or chose it, yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. I don't massively disagree with you that Jamie Fox can be either very good or very bad. Um, so I was just, I was just interested to see where you were, where you pointed towards. <laughs> um, would he fit with Spawn? Is he a, is he a good casting choice for Spawn? Um, is Spawn black, by the way? Spawn is yeah. Al Simmons okay. is black. I did not know. So I didn't. Spawn. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um. He's he's not the traditional image of Spawn for me. Like he's a bit too sort of wiry. So who who would who who would you think of as Spawn? Good question. Mike Coulter would have made a good Spawn. I think. <laughs> that like if someone says Mike Coulter's playing Spawn, I would go, of course he is. So just someone kind of like cool and steely. Yes, exactly. Like that's the thing. Like Jamie Foxx has this kind of manic energy about him. Sometimes, so, well, most of the, in in the films I've seen, I I think of him as a guy have, who is very energetic. Have, and have, have you seen Collateral? I have not. Right. Okay. So that that for me that for me would. I mean, that's <laughs> that's not like <laughs> it's not superhero stuff, but he can he can he can very much play reined back as well. But I mean, he seems he seems very intense and not in the Mike Coulter like, like you say, wall of steel way. Mm. Um, Do you know what, though, James? I like I I know nothing about Spawn, um, <laughs> but Todd McFarlane has obviously had huge success with the character, kind of delivering something that his audience wanted. He is writing and directing this thing, and he has Bloomhouse, Jason Bloom, who um, is, you know, an absolute genius in the world of, like, low-budget horror, mm-hmm. um, and has also, like, in more recent years, produced stuff like uh, Get Out and uh, what was the other Oscar-nominated one? Whiplash, I think, was was one of the ones that he directed has had like huge commercial successes with um, the uh, Sinister franchise and um, Insidious and all, and the Annabelle spin-offs and all those kind of things. The Purge I think is theirs as well. Um, That's, that's the guy that I would want to be working on this in order to make it a good and be a success. This is a rare instance of me being like, Oh, well that it's more interesting that that producer is involved than, this director like i really i don't trust todd mcfarlane to direct a movie i'm not <laughs> saying it's impossible i just I, it doesn't feel like it's really in his skill set i think he's done some animated videos before uh music videos maybe but it's a very different discipline right 
I mean, do, do you actually know the story of... Um, of no, no. And if you've told me in the past, I've forgotten. <clears throat> so he's a CIA black ops agent who gets killed uh, by... I'm not going to say who by, actually, because that's potentially a spoiler. He gets killed in a sort of bad situation and he makes a deal with someone who is essentially the devil to, right. to you know, see his wife again. And so what happens is they turn him into, like, the Hellspawn and send him back to Earth. And the twist is it's five years later and, like, his his wife has moved on and he's now this, like, undead slave in the thrall of Hell. Feels like Ghost Rider meets Punisher. Yes, good call. Um, and he's got a magic cape. Ooh. <laughs> a bit like meets, Doctor Strange. Meets Doctor Strange. <laughs> Okay, well, I, I, do you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to continue to have that marked down as a movie that could be potentially interesting. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm very keen. I think it's on record. I'm very keen to go back and do the '98 spawn. Yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't think that will that will be too far in our future. Yeah, we're running out of movies, James. It's <laughs> a <laughs> so good job they keep making these new ones. <laughs> well, no thanks to like Fox. Yeah, pushing pushing two of the movies out of 2018. <laughs> thanks, guys. Um, Let's talk about a movie, though, that is coming in 2018. Oh, what a segue. Into the Spider-Verse, the animated Spider-Man movie that, James, you were unconvinced by the trailer. No, but then I've never seen a Marvel animated movie that made me go, oh, that was good. I've seen a lot that made me go, God, when is this going to finish? Yeah, but they are like, you're talking about mostly your... Direct-to-DVD ones. Your direct-to-DVD stuff. I guess the, the... the more direct comparison to this would be Big Hero 6, I guess. But even that's it, it not... This is different. This is I mean, a, a major animation studio producing a, a, a big budget animated movie that is going into cinemas starring one of the biggest... Well, the, the biggest Marvel brand in Spider-Man. Yeah. But the trailer didn't do it for you. I... It's hard to say. It didn't not do it for me. It just I wasn't excited as everyone else. It just it seemed like that trailer was going for kind of easy wins. Hey, I'm on board with the easy wins. If that <laughs> if if that's what the easy wins look like, I just I thought it looked cool. And as we know that um, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, the all powerful Lord Miller, um, <laughs> worked on the scripts for this. Um, and they can do no wrong unless you are Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> they can do no wrong. Um, what we learned about this this week, uh, so we already knew some of the voice cast. Uh, Mahershala Ali is voicing Aaron Davis. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry is a voice. Shamik uh, Moore is voicing Miles Morales. Uh, we found out that Jake Johnson, who uh, James, I don't know if you know Jake Johnson, um, he's a new girl. He was in Jurassic World. Which one is he in New Girl? <laughs> He's Nick. Nick? In New Girl. Oh, yes. Yeah, I know him. So Jake Johnson is voicing Peter Parker, which if you told me Jake Johnson is playing Peter Parker, I go, oh, no. Voicing Peter Parker, close my eyes and I go, yeah, yeah, that could work. That could absolutely work. Uh, he's funny, and uh, yeah, I, I kind of really like that casting. Uh, this was also at CinemaCon. We found out that, unsurprisingly, given that we know that Aaron Davis is in it and Mahershala Ali is voicing that character, uh, Prowler is going to be part of the movie. <laughs> so I'm, I'm assuming it's that version of the Prowler. You're not going to have Aaron Davis in the movie in a different Prowler, are you? 
I would be very surprised. I mean, there are other Prowlers, but I think it's fairly safe to say they're not going to pull a bait and switch on a kid's movie. (laughs) Um, And then also Green Goblin and Kingpin will both be making an appearance. Um, Interesting. This sounds to me in, um, I think, in a different way, but similar to what happened in the Lego Batman movie, where you throw all of this spider-man iconography and like uh, an ip into the mix and you kind of focus on your key characters but these people are all around the sides making cameos here there and everywhere yeah i mean it strikes me that it's going to be very much a kids movie in that regard and sometimes that works fine like there are lots of good kids movies that appeal to adults and sometimes you end up with lego batman but lego batman did come from the lego movie which is incredible and came from phil lord and chris miller hey it all it all comes back around um so i'm very much looking forward to into the spider verse who knows when that's going to get moved to well i'm going to check imdb when are we getting that movie (laughs) i've I've been thrown i've been thrown into a funk like by all of this like i've got i've got to wait an extra month for ant-man and the wasp Mm -hmm. i i tweeted out in no way jokingly marvel you are going to have to fly me out to the states to see this in july I mean, how much Patreon money are we going to have by then? Because <laughs> I'm not saying we have to go to the state for a weekend just to see a movie, but if we've got the money, I'm not saying we won't. Can that money stretch to me meeting Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly? <laughs> Depends how quickly you run. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, we, we get that on the 14th of December, so it's going to be a Christmas movie. Probably our last episode before our, um, what do we call them? The Cuppies? The fourth cuppies. annual cu- You the call fourth- them the Cuppies. The fourth annual cuppies. I think we said it as a joke and we've run with it. Jesus you, you Christ. You keep saying we like me and Seb haven't vocally objected to that. Uh, no, I don't post the episode titles. So if cuppies made it into an episode title, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> that is pure, I mean, RIP, Seb Patrick. Yeah. Before he was dusted off into the wind, he called them the cuppies in print. Yeah. Um. Uh, another little tidbit from before... Uh, Infinity War was released. Kevin Feige said that an Eternals movie is one of those movies that is kind of in development. They're thinking about making an Eternals movie. I don't know if we've mentioned this already. We know we spoke about DC making a New Gods movie, didn't we? Is Eternals the New Gods of Marvel? Basically, or is it some- that is, that it is, is a very good um, comparison. The problem with the Eternals is I just I don't see what you do with them. The Eternals to me are like a worse version of the inhumans. What's it so you just reinvent them then surely, right? <clears throat> you just you just take you just take the idea and reinvent it. In the MCU. Yeah, I suppose. Just I've never read a version of the Eternals that actually works. Um So What are they by the way? Yeah, I, I was, you're I was gonna, gonna to. <laughs> segue into that. So in within the Marvel universe the Celestials essentially came, come to every planet, in fact, and sculpt the evolution on there to create intelligent life. And the Eternals, I think, they're either a, a variant they made, or they're like the original version, maybe, like the first try. Um, and so, like, you've got these... Uh, like su- uh, you, they've got these super powered, like perfect humans, and their opposite numbers, the deviants, who are like grotesque and monstrous, 
and they've lived on Earth longer than humans have in secret. Right, okay. And, you know, they're basically immortal. Um, so what does separate them from the Inhumans? <laughs> what separates them from the they Inhumans don't, are... They don't uh, sound massively different. Well, that's the thing. The, the Inhumans, I think... Um, I'm going to stretch my Marvel knowledge here. I think the Celestials used the Terrigen crystals to mutate Krees, and that created the Inhumans. Like, they're very, very similar idea. Right, okay. Okay, that makes that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, the Eternals and the Inhumans are definitely sort of, uh, what, similar in concept and narratively close together. Like, they're definitely linked. And I never thought I would say this about the Inhumans, but the, Eternals are a- the Inhumans are actually more interesting than <laughs> the Eternals. Because at least with the Inhumans... You have like this built-in, like monarchistic society structure, and the royal family who have actual characters in who have done other things within the Marvel universe other than turn up and say, "We're the we're the Eternals. Let's have a fight." Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, let's see whether that actually is something that Marvel progress with. Um, I I wonder whether they're getting to the point where even with the IP that they have, given the given some of the stuff that they have handed over to TV, which includes Inhumans, Cloak and Dagger, the the Netflix heroes, and whoever they're thrown into the New Warriors, for example, um, and even Ghost Rider, I guess, has has gone over there. I wonder whether they are now just going bigger. Your bigger characters, your cosmic characters, your no, other than Spider-Man, not really your spy, your street level characters. These are the ones that we're going to l- let happen on. The street level characters are the ones that we let happen on TV, and it doesn't it doesn't really matter if the concept isn't great for the other ones. We can re as long as it's a name value IP, we can rework it for the big screen. <laughs> I mean, it is sort of interesting to think like maybe where are they going to go next? Because I, I imagine they, like, saying we've got the Eternals in development doesn't strike me as especially, um, you know, it's not big news. Because I bet they've got everyone in development. Yeah, well, so Kevin Feige said that they had a board and that there is a board with all of these characters who are viable, that that could work as a movie. Yeah, And it, it might be that they're doing something similar. I think we heard that like back when Marvel were kind of moving into phase two, they just basically had a list of characters and said, come at us with a pitch. If mm-hmm. you've got a pitch, we will listen to it. Yeah, um, I can fully believe. And that's the how, that's how Guardians, this. that's how Guardians of the Galaxy kind of came about. <laughs> I'm trying to think who, like, who would I rather see than an Eternals movie? That might that Marvel might have the right. Well, Moon, Moon Knight and Nova are the other two that have been mentioned. Yeah, I, I would put money on a seeing a Nova movie very quickly. Um, yeah, Moon Knight maybe. Moon Knight seems like more of a TV guy. Yeah. Um, I would Name like, if they ever got like if they ever got the rights together. I would like to see Kazar. That would be fun. Um, who was the one? Oh. Submariner? <laughs> Do we know the right status for Submariner? Is that name more? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, very complicated. Not okay. going to happen anytime soon. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah. Okay. So that's I, is that a last bit of MCU news? I, yeah, that I've would... actually got a little bit of MCU news. MCU news that you may not have heard. Ooh. Are you up to date with the Adam Buxton podcast? Oh no, but I read about this, and uh, yeah, let's let's talk about this because uh, it's <laughs> it's fascinating. It's, I, do you know what? I couldn't. <laughs> you explain it. Explain it. So Adam Buxton does a podcast where he interviews other comedians, uh, primarily and, other comedians and actors, and says my wife in a funny voice, and I did I <laughs> yeah, did I not in any did not in any way take it from him and Borat and mix them into <laughs> one <laughs> one dumb impression. But yeah, so he. He was interviewing Bob Mortimer of the, I imagine, primarily UK-centric comedy duo Reeves and Mortimer. And it should be said, Bob Mortimer is a genius. Um, <laughs> I, I I absolutely adore him, both from the work he's done, but also any time he speaks. He just seems like such a lovely man and um, such like a genuine, honest man. And uh, that might... <laughs> that might that might have got him into a bit of trouble in this interview. <laughs> yeah, so he casually tossed off the idea that they were developing a reason Mortimer film with Ben Wheatley, but he signed up for one of those big Marvel films and therefore had to drop out. Yes. So, interesting. Ben Wheatley, if anyone doesn't know, is the director, I guess, most recently directed High Rise and Free Fire, uh, but also Sightseers, A I Field in England. Sightseers. Kill List, Down Terrace. He's like what he's probably one of the most interesting genre filmmakers. Yeah, I was actually saying this to come out of the UK. Form, I was saying this to former podcast Mike Leader the other day that maybe it makes me too much of a fanboy, but I consider him one of filmmaking's only actual mavericks. I haven't seen all of I haven't seen all of his films, James. I've seen um so Sightseers and Kill List, I think, are absolute masterpieces they're br- i mean kill list is terrifying sightseers is hilarious mm-hmm. um uh, and a feel- but I, I haven't seen um i haven't seen his most recent two free fire or uh high rise which <laughs> i'm I, I don't know how i've ended up not seeing those free but- fire is yeah i mean it's it's not perfect but it's good fun and mm. importantly it's got brie larson in and high rise had tom hiddleston in. yeah so you can see how he might have got into the marvel family yeah, well, but here's here's the thing: is <laughs> knowing Bob Mortimer has Bob Mortimer <laughs> gone like ah, it's one of those big Marvel movies? Yeah. And what, <laughs> well. what 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 it could mean is like it could mean it's... a Fox movie, could mean a DC movie, could mean a Star Wars movie, or it could be that like he's signed up to direct the Dread TV series or something. You know, like it could. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> or Bob Mortimer could literally have just been joking. Yeah, I mean, having heard the podcast, I don't think it was a joke because he says it with complete sincerity. But um, he could just—I I even wonder whether big Marvel movie could just be like a synonym for a a big movie. He's he's been offered like a eighty million dollar budget or something. Yeah, it just it knowing Bob Mortimer and his position in pop culture, I don't think he would necessarily know or care about the difference between a Marvel Studios movie and a Fox Marvel movie. And a Sony Marvel movie, no, and a DC and a Marvel movie. So, so but if you yeah. if you had to guess, what's what's a project that makes sense for Ben Wheatley? <laughs> now you're putting me on the spot because that for me that seems like you're you're in the moonlight uh, in the moonlight realm. Yeah, Moonlight was the one that popped into my head. The like the only problem I would have with Ben Wheatley making a Marvel movie in general though is that. 
as I've said before, he's a director who seems to have an enormous amount of autonomy and sort of creative, like he's got a really powerful creative instinct. I don't see him playing well with a big studio. I'm not saying it's impossible. In the the Edgar Wright sense. Because I think we found out... imagine, Imagine Edgar Wright, but five times more interesting, and that's Ben Wheatley. I think we found out, though, that basically if if a director is willing to play within the system, your Taika Waititi's, Ryan Coogler's, mm-hmm. those those kind of people can make a movie within the Marvel fold, but it still feel like one of their movies. Yeah. Um, you know, it might be a really good partnership. Yeah. The thing is, part of me just thinks, would I rather see the, the one Marvel Ben Wheatley movie or would I rather see the four movies he would make in those two years instead? <laughs> and I think, um, I think, as much as I love Marvel, and as much as I love Ben Wheatley, I think they're probably going to be better apart. What about what about Blade? Yeah. I just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not like I say. It would be good. I still think you could do a good Blade movie without Ben Wheatley, and Ben Wheatley could do much better movies without Marvel. <laughs> Right, James, we've already been recording for over an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to run through the rest of these pieces of news. Another, uh, another on... classic mini-sode. Yes. Uh, we're on to the small screen now. Um, DC have finally named their streaming platform. It's going to be called DC Universe. And previously we knew that the Titans TV show has been developed for that platform. That that seems like the one that is uh, closest to being released. There's been lots of set photos leaking online. Um and I think there is a there is an audience that seems interested in that. I'm I'm not part of that audience, but who knows if it turns up and the reviews are good. Um, the Metropolis series that was previously mentioned was being developed for that platform. That series is apparently now being redeveloped, so it's not dead, but they're rethinking the approach. So uh, let's, let's see whether we ever see that. An entire, an entire platform of prequels. um the the other things they were working on were animated series but the thing they've announced this week is that uh james wan is going to be executive producing a swamp thing series a hour-long live action drama i'm i've got to go admit i'm quite excited by that yeah yeah because swamp thing at least one would assume they're going to take inspiration from the alan moore version of swamp thing and that being the case you can't go wrong. Is TV the the avenue to do something? I can definitely see it working more than the movie, especially, like I say, if you go the Alan Moore way of like exploring the nature of this plant who at least, at least initially believes he's a man. Um, and, you know, if they take the kind of psychedelic elements that Alan Moore introduced play up the horror angle i could well, see it really working well and james one is producing quite su- suggests that you're going down the horror yeah side of things and also i mean i i think it it just says to me as well that dc are happy to stay in the james one business whatever he's doing on aquaman <laughs> whether aquaman's a hit or not i mean james one has had hits before um I think Aquaman is going to be one of those movies that surprises us how how good it is, considering how much we don't care about its lead, or com- or completely reorientates the 
the Aquaman character to the point that we go, oh, do you know what? <laughs> you don't necessarily have to be just like a like a one one note catchphrase spouting <laughs> annoying annoying topless git. Um, you could do fun stuff with that character, and so maybe that will happen. But yeah, so James Wan doing stuff for DC on the big and the small screen. Um, and then James, our final piece of news, it has been confirmed. Um, the series will be called Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Very happy with that. Yeah. And there Very was a shot, happy. a shot of Kieran and Shipka in the chair with the, with the, with the, the, logo. the title on the, yeah. logo looking, on the back of the looking chair. Looking exactly like a Francesco Francavia painting. With the black and the red, I was very pleased with that. Yeah, um, I think that is. Uh, I haven't watched Riverdale for about six months, but <laughs> <laughs> I need to do a big catch up. But yeah, I could, I could be, I could be tempted to catch up ahead of. I mean, if you, if you told me that uh, Sabrina was going to be in the season finale, I would tune in. But it sounds like for now that they're not crossing over. For now. For now, okay, uh, James. We'll move on to our final section now, which is the pitch, and um, obviously. Seb isn't here, um, but he has sent me his pitch, um, and I wondered if you wanted to go first or second, given what happened last time <laughs> I asked you this question. This time, I'm going to go first. Okay. Um, Seb's, is, Seb's is very brief, um, so... <laughs> Remind us of the pitch. So, the, <laughs> thank you for presenting for me. <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten. Uh, so last week, last week uh, we got a lot of listeners to send in uh, questions and that we, the things we wanted to cover about Infinity War. One of our uh, listeners um, on Twitter at Last Film Scene asked us to uh, pitch our ideal credit scenes for Avengers Four. Um, he actually said what his would be. Um, so I, 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 I can, I can give you. Read them out, yeah. Uh, so he has a mid-credit scene, which is Tony and Pepper's wedding, all of the heroes and supporting characters that survived at the service. It's going to be pretty grim, though, given that Tony is dead. Um, <laughs> and, post- and post-credits, a few seconds later in the same scene, a portal opens up and something Fantastic Four-related comes through. <laughs> Just something Fantastic Four-related. Yeah. Uh, I-, I don't know. A-, a-, a Doom mask. Sure. Herbie- um so that's that's the uh, that's the that's the thing that you have to be obviously Sebs as well. Um, that's the benchmark. That's the word I was searching for. So James, give me your pitch. Your post-credit scene for Avengers Four. You can have more than one if you want, but we, we probably only require one. I only had one, and it's the one I immediately thought up when you gave me the pitch. Um, I don't think it's going to be a big surprise to anyone, but the way I would do it is. You know, following whatever happens at the end of Infinity War Part 2, as we're going to call it, um, hmm. it would cut to a fairly average high school, uh, follow around some fairly average kids, and at some point, one of them, like, falls to the ground and starts shooting optic beams from their eyes, <laughs> and... The like what we are witnessing is the earliest manifestation of a mutant in uh the cinematic universe and it's Cyclops and obviously maybe, you know, pull back to Professor X watching this on Cerebro or something, or you know, psychically viewing it, and we're gonna see the formation of the X Men ideally the original five X Men as as it happens essentially. 
And that's how you introduce them to the Marvel Universe. Just that mutants are starting to manifest and, you know, here they are. Okay, I think I've got a better one than you. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not a million miles away, uh, but I, I, I'll give mine at the end. Um, I'll give I'll, I'll give Seb's pitch now, which is uh, fairly brief, but he says, um, mid credit scene for Avengers 4, a cemetery in, in Brooklyn, two grave, gravestones side by side, gradually the names revealed, Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter Rogers, which I guess is a nice, uh, sweet little way of hinting towards what we've said the whole time <laughs> or, or your your theory james yeah. that that we've been banging on about every every time i was talking to reese he was like as soon as i heard that i was like yes that is amazing that needs to happen you've hit <laughs> you've hit on absolute gold there and seb has acknowledged that and stolen it from you yeah. <laughs> um and i'm also going to incorporate that into my pitch uh so my pitch is that mid credits you uh you cut to um a world that, like, so after the, the the Avengers will win in Avengers Four, uh, but then <laughs> what? Oh, well, no, they will they will win in terms of they will defeat Thanos or whatever you know, like that. Whatever sacrifice needs to be made, they're going to defeat my boy Thanos. They're going to defeat your boy boy Thanos and bring back uh, Peter and T'Challa. Bring back all and, those guys you don't care about. Okay, fair enough. Exactly. Um, and post credits, you're going to cut, and it's going to be a you're. you're there is going to be something that hints towards, hang on, this isn't what we've just seen. This is one of the worlds where the Avengers lost. And not only do those half of the heroes, they've not reappeared. The original ones have died as well. And we are completely without them. Um, And that's when we see the first manifestation of mutant powers. And so you, you kind of have like a... You're introducing the idea of a multiverse. You're introducing the idea of the X-Men. There'd be a Fantastic Four hint in there as well. Um, and maybe some hint as to all, as to, as to how those universes could... could. Can I, can I, Joe, can I ask you a serious question? Yeah. Why do you care so much about multiverses? Because I just think that's the natural progression for Marvel. And I and I think that's a it's a clean way of doing of introducing these characters that haven't been around. <laughs> Sorry. What's cleaner than the way I suggested, which is that you see the mutants manifesting? Well um, I, I was gonna say that the Fantastic Four had already been around, but if it's just a world where that doesn't make so there's a, there's another multiverse where the Fantastic <laughs> Four have been around. I don't know, I don't care. And my post credit scene is literally uh Steve walks into the Swan Club and him and Peggy finally have that dance. Yeah. I want to see the dance and that's my post Oh, definitely, scene. definitely. I don't just want to know that they got married. <laughs> I want to see that dance. Like, the only reason I can see of doing a multiverse film or introducing a multiverse is if you want to do Secret Wars, which I'm not opposed yeah. to. Yeah, no, yeah. You, you, yeah, I, I think you open up the multiverse in Phase 4. I'm not saying you just do it to do some hand-waving. I... I imagine some kind of story like that is the kind of thing that you build towards longer term. And it's what it's taking. It's going to take Marvel 11 years to get from Iron Man to, <laughs> to Avengers 4. Um, I, I think you set a similar kind of long game play in, in, into your post infinity war stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, a big multiverse level event would be a way to do that i think and also it's a way it's a way that you can broaden out the marvel universe where there are different iron men and different captain americas because i don't think they have suitably introduced alternatives to those characters that can take over it you know that mantle yeah i sort of 
I I kind of think if you introduce like alternate Captain America, he's always going to be alternate Captain America. Whereas if you recast, people will eventually accept it. Or unless there's something so demonstrably different that you know here here is a parallel universe and here is your Captain America, um, and she's awesome. You know. Yeah. That's yeah. that's how that that's how you do it. <laughs> American dream, you're saying instead mm. of Captain America. Yeah, and 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 you know you could do you could do stuff like um, yeah, you can do stuff where like as we talked about before, like the Fantastic Four have been around since the 1950s because they're the only superheroes that manifested in their world. Or you can have had mutants having that backstory, but it making sense that they've not been around in the MCU because you've got because you've got multiverse stuff going on. Yeah, I, I and, just and, think... and you can have crossovers where you don't compromise the MCU by having mutants around all the time, but you <laughs> and you allow them to have their own stories elsewhere. But if you need to do a big universe spanning crossover, they can meet. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think the way to do mutants is to keep them very on a very tight rein and only introduce a very small number of them. Fair. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I had to put money on the post credit scene for Avengers 4... This isn't what I want to see. I would not be entirely surprised if it's like panning out into space, then being like, oh, we've defeated Thanos. Like, what else is out there? And then Galactus showing up. I, if a, vil- if, a villain, a villain tease would make sense. Yeah. Because, like, obviously, you've defeated Thanos. What's the next arc for the MCU? Like, that's the question we're looking at being answered here, right? Like, yeah. you beat Thanos. What could top that? And I can't imagine anything more than Galactus topping it. Because those two are the guys. Like, they're the big cosmic threats. What about Kang? Kang, uh, yeah, true. Kang could also do it. With all that all that time messing around, it's probably going to get his interest, right? True, very true. And they do still have the rights. Uh, do they have the rights for Kang? Good question. I think Kang was also introduced in Fantastic Four. Yeah, that was. So they'll, yeah. they'll have them this time next year. So if they, yeah, <laughs> well, that's the thing though. If they've got the Kang rights, they've got the Galactus rights, and I know which I'd use first. Right. Let's uh, let let's let's draw a line there. Uh, because this <laughs> podcast has gone on forever. Of course you won. Seb's not here. Yes. <laughs> and mine don't count. Uh, <laughs> so, so, yes. The people's, uh, James... the people's champion. <laughs> James, you've won by default again. Yes. The two greatest <laughs> words in the English language. <laughs> um, so that's it for this week's show. Um, don't forget that our next episode is on Deadpool 2. Now, Deadpool 2 is um, released kind of... We would normally have this episode released, I think, so it would be next Monday-ish when we would release the episode. I think Deadpool 2 is released on, like, the Wednesday. So it will be an episode that is slightly late. We might slide in another mini to fill the gap if there is... (laughs) If there's sufficient news. Yes, if there's sufficient news to talk about, or maybe a bonus episode or something like that. Um but then, yeah, we'll kind of get the Deadpool 2 episode out to you as soon as possible. And then it'll just be the case that there's probably quite a short gap between that and the next minisode. And we'll be we'll be back on schedule again. And um, We'll have a replacement for Seb. Yeah. Oh. Who should we who should we bring? Or do we just bring Noah in? I don't know. Brie Larson, I was thinking. Yeah, or, or, or we could open up we could open up the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> We can have alternate Seb. Okay, let's yeah, let's try and rescue an alternate Seb. Yeah. Okay. Bring him over. I'm 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 keen on that. Earth okay. two Seb. 
Brilliant. Okay, so hopefully we'll have Earth 2 Seb back with us for our Deadpool 2 podcast. Penultimate um, Seb. <laughs> uh, if you're enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. And you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe. You can find more episodes of the show at cinematicuniverse.com. Get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter, at cine underscore verse, or send us an email to editorial at cinematicuniverse.com. Um, as you found out on this episode, in the last couple of episodes, we you know we pay a lot of attention to the tweets and emails that come in. So please do get in contact and you know they'll more than likely end up on the show. Uh, thanks for listening and we will see you next week-ish. Goodbye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.